Hey guys, welcome to episode 199 of the podcast with my guest, Amber Tozer. I want to uh, thank those of you who have reached out to me and given me some great ideas uh, for your thoughts on um, some kind of moments. Uh, If you listened to last week's episode, you know that I had asked you to email me and let me know if you had some thoughts on moments in the podcast over the last 200 episodes that have uh, hit you on some level, funny or poignant or otherwise. and uh, I definitely still have a little bit of time to uh, work with that stuff. So um, it, what I'm going to end up asking you to do is just kind of put together like a little 30-second audio clip. Um, and uh, if you want to cut the middleman out and just send me that, uh, you can. Uh, my only caveat would be it's easier for me to kind of know they're coming or get a Dropbox invitation or something like that so I don't have a ton of uh, bigger files coming into my email. So... Um, anyway, uh, I, uh, want to thank you all. And, uh, that sounded very much like I was in an award ceremony. Uh, but I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll talk to you soon. Now entering Nerdist.com. longest instructional situation I've ever given with a microphone. I was like, like I demonstrating it. different things. I was like doing sit-ups, but holding, but you see how you're I'm like, holding this. Special this needs. I'm I get mean, really I really just it. went for it. I think you're capable. I don't know. I'm sorry if there was anything about no. what I just did that made you feel like I thought you didn't know how to hold a microphone. <laughs> no, it's, it's good to know you. I'm sure. Sh- well, I'm sure you've done a lot of podcasts where you've heard it's been inconsistent. It hey, it happens. I you know say, what you're talking about. I would say it happens more with non-stand-ups. Oh. I feel that um, I, it's the easiest for me to say to anyone who does stand-up comedy. I can be like, hey, here's your microphone. And they're like, I'm good. Oh, you talk into it. That's yeah, what you do. that's right. That's right. Give it a long, <laughs> meaningful look. These are cool. Oh, thank you. Uh, so I'm recording and I welcome you in. Thank it's not a lot you. of um, the there's not a lot of song and dance uh, at the top of the podcast. So okay, we're doing it. All right, this is what it feels like. Okay, how you doing? You I'm, feel all right? I'm feeling good. You feel pretty good. I like your house. I'm feeling good. Thanks. <laughs> have you had to? Have you been doing a ton of press in anticipation of your book coming out? And if so, are you a zombie? Um, not a ton. It comes in bursts. Like one day I'll have a bunch of stuff, and then I won't have anything for a while. But it's weird. It's weird for people to care what you're doing. Yeah. It ha- it's never happened to me before. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Does it feel... Is, and I'm asking this because I think like on a day, for example, where I would be doing um, San Diego Comic-Con, if I just had a series of press interviews, and I'm not even talking about like the press junket weekend that people that are huge and do huge films and stuff have, but there is a certain point of surreality that kicks in where... I kind of have to like do or say something different. It's almost like you have to pinch yourself because you go into this place where you just start hearing your own voice talking and you're like on autopilot. It's a weird feeling. It's weird when you can, you know, we all have the experience where we're like, Oh, I drove somewhere and I kind of forgot how, like I clearly was in my own mind and it was such autopilot that I don't even remember how I got here. That's kind of creepy. Right. But to be, to, to be actually talking to a human and have that happen. It's a weird out of body experience. I know. Have you had to go through anything like that yet? Well, 
Not yet. I'm not to the point. But everybody I've talked to has been asking different questions. So it feels like a different conversation every single time. But sometimes I only have so many stories. So if I have to launch into a story, it's the same with like doing stand up. I'm like, oh, I'm on autopilot. Right, right. Instead of, but I don't know. Some of the interviews have been writing, like they email me questions, which is nice. It's good and bad because sometimes. in my head, I'm like, oh, I'm a much better writer than I am speaker, so I like it. But then I overthink it when Fair. when yeah. you're just talking to somebody, you just say, you just pray whatever you say isn't right. stupid. Right. But when you're writing it, you're like, you're delete, like, delete, yeah, delete. <laughs> yeah, I could, I probably could have written that. Oh God, what oh, do I, yeah, do yeah, I even yeah. mean this anymore? Yeah, right. That makes sense. What uh, prompted you to write the book? Um, I was I an agent came up with the idea. It wasn't my idea. I wasn't like, I need to write a memoir. My story, you know, I'm like, I never thought that my story was crazy enough and I'm definitely not famous enough. But, um, I brainstormed with an agent and we sort of came up with a fun way to talk about sobriety. Mm -hmm. And I had written, I always try to be funny when I write about being sober because it can, it's easy to be heavy or like overly spiritual or some, or too crazy like my story is so crazy right and so he helped me sort of develop like uh he just we just sort of honed in on being funny and yeah. we came up with sober stick figure which is diary of a wimpy kid basically but right for adults right so I think that's great yeah is that that and that's always an interesting kind of t- tightrope to walk maybe it's not even a tightrope but um you sort of get into that conversation about sobriety, I think, with the idea of anonymity or the idea of like, well, this is my journey. And we, you know, if it's a program like AA, that the idea of kind of going into a room where everyone is safe and everyone's anonymous versus, you know, being very public about it and saying like, this is something that I'm going to be very honest about on this level because I feel like it's going to touch more people or it's going to affect, you know, potentially right. affect more people, I guess. Yeah. You know that it's like it's a fine line for me. I I want to be clear that I'm not an expert or sure, you know. Yeah, so yeah. it's like I'm always like this is my story. Yeah. And when I was drinking, I would read um alcoholic memoirs all the time. Like I would just drink, like mm-hmm. literally drink them and being like, "Oh my god." Yeah. But I still kept drinking, but I feel like some seeds were planted mm-hmm. cuz I was like and it's different now. So many people that was, you know, I I I tried I've been sober 8 years, but I but five years before that, I was trying to get sober sort of in secret. And I was like seeking for information. And now there's much more out there as far as like websites and different mm-hmm. types of books. So like there's there's more information available than when I f- was starting to control my problem. So I was just when I got it's someone else's stories in my hands, I was like, oh, yeah, I can't believe they're being honest about this. Yeah, yeah. So I... Uh, so I was thankful for it. Even though I didn't quit right then and there, I really, it really made me think, which maybe I think subconsciously helped me later down the road. Well, in a weird way, this is probably like a very lame uh, uh, parallel to draw, but it kind of does remind me of just being a writer in general, which is to say that it's one of those, and I'm sure there's a lot of other art and commerce no industry industry let's say or invention that happens this way but um i guess i can't speak to it as and i'm again not an expert on even writing but this idea of you know i'm writing even when i'm not writing and it's it's almost like you were 
starting to get sober, even when you weren't getting sober. You know what I mean? Right. So that's kind of, I don't know, because I feel like that's, it's, it's difficult to say sort of, well, listen, I was, unless you're a brilliant math genius and I'm sure someone would say, yeah, I'm always working on, you know, there was an unsolvable formula that I started. I'm just kind of always working. I'm tooling around on in my head, but, but what I can identify with is, you know, this idea of like, oh God, I should be sitting in front of a computer writing this thing and someone saying, you know, yes, certainly that's part of the process. But also understand, understand that once you have an idea and you're starting to like, it's germinating, it's a weird job where you can go on a hike and be writing and you can have a coffee with someone and that stuff all kind of like percolates and gets in there so that when you sit down in front of it or for you, when you sat down and got sober, if you will, mm-hmm. that stuff was like, like you said, it was all this sort of germination of, of stuff that was like feeding you already. Yeah. I mean... I didn't know it at the time, but there was a lot of stuff in my head. But you don't know what's in there. Like you said, it's sort of like you're in your life collecting all this information. And then as a writer, when you sit down, it comes pouring out. Sometimes it's horrible. Sometimes it's relatable. But yeah, I think I don't. I don't know. <laughs> now I'm like I have this visual of like my brain being open and stuff being dumped in, and then I'm like crapping it out of my mind. Sure. But. <laughs> Um, it starts when I have my first drink at the age of seven, which sounds really dramatic and everybody, all the reviews, it's so dramatic. They're like 30 years of addiction just to make it, but it's really like I had, I tasted alcohol at seven. My first drunk was when I was, um, 14 and then, but I didn't really, 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 really get into it until um, my senior year of college. Mm -hmm. So I was a pretty good teenager. You know, I experimented a few times, but, and it was always bad. I could never drink just a couple. Mm -hmm. So I think I already was genetically an alcoholic. I don't think I became dependent on it. I already thought I was maybe, Hmm. but, um, but yeah, it starts when I am a little girl. So the first few chapters are about my childhood. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, in terms of get, giving the vulnerability of getting people, giving people a chance to get to know the you from then and kind of how that evolves since it all informs everything else. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like a coming of age story. Just this like weird little alcoholic. Uh-huh. <laughs> where were you a teenager? Where did you, for the, for the purposes of my podcast, where um, did you spend your teenage years? Pueblo, Colorado. Oh, okay. Sure. sure. Yeah. It's in the foothills of Colorado. I love Colorado too. <laughs> I was trying to think the preponderance, I know it's a large state, but the amount of Texans that I know and the amount of New Yorkers that I know, and even the amount of like Virginians I know and New Jerseyans is so, so far outweighs people that I know from like the American West or the American Southwest. It's kind of mind boggling to be so close. Like I feel yeah. we're so, we are so close to Arizona and New Mexico and Colorado and Nevada, but I just don't, I don't really ever know anyone from those places. I always feel like you don't feel like slightly the, yeah. unusual, like, oh, and I, and I feel a sisterhood with like the four corner states cause I'm from Arizona. So we're all oh, be like, yeah, oh, yeah. like, oh, New Mexico. Or like, Utah, four corners, yeah, yeah. Has their ideas about what Utah can mean, but um, 
but yeah, I don't feel. Do you feel that you meet a lot of people kind of from the, the Southwest in that way? Not, no, not a, not a lot. Yeah, like in like in LA and show business, I guess. Yeah, like. not a lot of people from Colorado. Although a lot of Denver comics have just moved out here, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I don't know. It's funny. No one's from LA, but also no one's from Colorado. I know. <laughs> when you Pueblo, just putting into context for people who don't know Colorado. Where's Pueblo in relation to a known place like Denver? It is an hour and a half south of Denver. Yeah. Yeah, like it's an hour and a half drive south of Denver, pretty close to Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves Colorado. What about Colorado City? Can't say yes oh, things about Colorado City. Super close. Yeah. Stay out of Colorado Springs, though. Yeah. Is that. it the same? Is it similar? Well, well, Colorado Springs Colorado is like... Colorado City isn't in Colorado. There's some weird thing where there's like a Colorado City in Arizona where Palamas was. But... There's a Colorado City in Colorado, so, I think. Just, there's probably one in Arizona, too. There's probably a Colorado City in Minnesota. Yeah. America is crazy. <laughs> Take guys and run with it. Um, Colorado Springs are not... Well, there's just like a, a lot of military mm-hmm. action and Christian action, and that equals meth. Seems like it. <laughs> Seems like it. That's yeah, all I know. kind of like breaking badness to, to elements of Colorado. Oh, yeah. Colorado can get ghetto. But I, but I loved growing up there. I loved being a teenager. That I didn't really travel, so I didn't know any other plays. Sure. So I, I feel like my teenage years, um, I had a good time. And it's, it's interesting because I sort of – always was uncomfortable when I was younger. And then once I started drinking, of course, I experienced a lot of problems, as you do. But my teenage years, I'm always like, why was I – I was pretty happy. And I think it was because um, stuff at home was a little bit okay. Mm -hmm. My uh, my mom had gotten a divorce and she married a a guy who wasn't that great, but he was better than my dad. (laughs) So – so that was a little bit better. And then What's I was – My dad was a manic depressive in the closet alcoholic and he was just a little bit bananas. But my mom was cool. My Thank God, thank God my mom – she was um, – she's sort of a workaholic, sort of tough, badass, owns a restaurant – but you always felt safe around her. It wasn't like she was like, how are you feeling, sweetie? Right, right. Here's your lunch. She wasn't like that. She was like, let's go. Right. We're, everything's going to be fine. Let's go. I'm taking her to soccer practice. So you felt safe and secure. But, um, mm. but, but then she got a divorce and then she married this other guy. And he was an alcoholic. But he um, was very like open about it and honest. We're like, look. <laughs> Yeah. It's so twisted. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the varying levels of how dysfunction works and sometimes a vital difference can be like, well, this wasn't something that he felt shame about or it, it wasn't expressed in the same way and so maybe there's less anger or maybe there's less listen, you know. There there was just like less I mean, and compared to my dad, because with my dad, when they were together, there was like a lot of silence and like confusion. No one was talking about anything. It was just tension, silent tension. No, I, um, well, now I have, it's a long story, but I have half siblings and, but for the most part, there was four of us. The majority of the time there was an older brother and two younger sisters. Um, so 
But I don't know. There was something magical about my teenage years where stuff was better at home. And then I was just busy. Mm. And I went from private Catholic school to public school. And I liked public school better. And I don't know. I just stayed busy with sports. And I was just like a validation whore. (laughs) And I got it. I got it. (laughs) What sports did you play? I played softball basketball and soccer and then i even tried to do diving one year oh, okay. i was really going after it i had lettered 11 times in varsity and oh my it was it was nonsense Love it. <laughs> super it jock it was i was like what am what am i like looking back i'm glad i did it that like i, I think that surely people are like holy shit i'm that's a super impressive yeah I would just like carry my awards around. Like I put all my awards on my wall. It was <laughs> on one jacket. It's just a, like a weird hodgepodge of alphabet. Oh, and I didn't even get a letter letter jacket because I was that like I was like, Psh, yeah, I don't even need one of those. Yeah. It's so stupid. I'm, just, I'm basically a professional. And yeah. That's very, that's very I don't need a letter jacket for everyone to know how many letters I have. I'm with you right now. That's funny. That's awesome. It just means you're a varsity player and you made it through the year. So you're on the varsity team so you and were you on 11 varsity teams separately throughout your school year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The most you could possibly do is 12, I think, because you, as a freshman you usually don't make varsity. Mm-hmm. And my freshman year I made the mistake of playing volleyball instead of softball in the fall. So I didn't let her because I only was on the JV team because I wasn't that good at volleyball. I hate volleyball and I hate softball, but I did it anyway. I was so afraid of the ball. So, okay. Yeah, that is really interesting. <laughs> but I mean, all my friends be, played, yeah. Okay, so was that more what it was? Like, oh. Initially, it was a social influence of, okay, we're going to all play softball? Softball, my all my friends played. Mm-hmm. And I could handle, like... I loved running bases and I could play first base, but I was terrified of batting. So I would just, they would just be like bunt and run, bunt and run. So I did that a lot. But basketball and soccer, I loved. Yeah. Yeah. Basketball, boy. That's a sport I love watching and I feel like, I think I just said this on a recent podcast, but I I certainly got the like, do you play basketball because I was so tall from an early age. Yeah. And no one even bothered to teach me. Like, I really eagerly remember having to do basketball sometimes in middle school PE and just feeling like I didn't get it. Like, there was so much jostling. I was like, this is a very jostle-heavy <laughs> game. Soccer, I understood. Soccer's like, you run. Pretty much all you do is run. If you're lucky, a you, ball might get near yeah. you, and the rest of the time you're running. But, like, basketball just felt like, wait, this it, it, is very, like, I'm in the, the airport. It's crowded. Hold on. I, someone made me drop my bag. Like, that's sort of the, the weird, like, frenetic energy that I felt like it had. And yeah, I just yeah. couldn't, no one took the time with me, and I didn't join a team because that was the relationship I had with it. To where I just, I, you know, I just found it mystifying. And then I would see it played. Like, I loved college basketball when I was in uh, high school. My dad uh-huh. would go to U of A games. And I was like, this is great. And it, it, but, like, it would not translate into anything that felt like my body could do it. You know what I mean? Did you play any sports? Not, not in high school at all. No, because it was like a theater. I was like, theater no, I was goth. like, you're a swimmer. Oh, yeah, theater. Theater goth, yeah. Ah. Um, and I had a bike and I just rode my bike. That was sort of like, it was all very alone, to, like like anything physical. I was like, you're alone. a swimmer. I was going to guess that you were Not a swimmer. Oh, God, I would, wouldn't be comfortable like, in a bathing I s- suit. I had such body insecurity. The idea of wearing anything like that in front of people was mortifying. Mortifying. <laughs> oh, I'm so impressed that you were a diver. Even for a brief 
glimpse of a glimmer. Oh, yeah. I could do like a front flip and a half. And the diving coach was said, do you want to be on our team? And I said, yes. And it was during basketball season, too. I can't believe I agreed to do it. Wow. But I lasted like a month. I was yeah. like, I can't. What am I doing? Yeah. I'm sabotaging my basketball well, career. Say, you had a, at least you had a good For my mediocre flips. Well, so okay so obviously like you said you know this kind of i I mean it's not a guarantee that you're gonna lead a healthy lifestyle just because you're playing a sport in high school obviously that's not necessarily the case but for you i mean were you getting high off the adrenaline i'm just curious and i don't mean that in a negative way were you getting were you were you working through your crazy teenage uh, energy that we all in kind of the best physical way you possibly could. I think so, because during the summer times, I would miss that adrenaline high from working out, and I would run. And I'm not, and I didn't really like running. I'm not a runner, but I would, I would, I would feel so nutty. And I wasn't. Yeah. So you just kind of go out and run. So I would just go out on run. So yeah, I think it did. It really. I didn't know, but you know, after you work out that adrenaline boost, I, I didn't know that as a teenager, yeah. which now I completely, like, I, I feel like since I got sober, I have to have an adrenaline boost a few times a week. Yeah. So I go to spin class. Yeah, that's a great one. I went to spin class for a while and then I got um, tired of being inside and I got a bike. And so, and now it's hard for me to go back to spin, but it, do you ride outside? Yeah. But like in <gasps> Griffith Park, but it's oh, that's thing. nice. I can't. It's not for like a leisurely bike ride. It's like I have to work very hard because I have to achieve some sort of feeling. Even when I'm working hard and I'm like, ugh, there's some part of my brain that sees to the other side that's like, oh, no, 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 you got to do this. Yeah. You know? I don't know. You like spinning. I like spinning. What, um, did you ever, did you ride a bike when you were younger? Yeah, how I did. You went running, but when you were Not when I was a teenager. When I was a little kid, I liked to ride bikes. But not when I was a teenager. And I didn't, I, I, I don't know. Now I just spin because I like it's the music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, listen, now I listen to the music that I like, but I, I sort of have, like, I, f- I sort of have a spin instructor's voice in my head now from, that's, like, pushing me oh. forward in an almost internalized way. That's a healthy person to it, live in your head. Yeah, it just kind of happened after doing so much spin. It just kind of locked in, I think. Why did you take why did you decide to go outside? You were you were you were sick of going outside. Well, I outside. kind of I was I sort of realized like, oh, maybe I could go back to riding a bike. That's a thing I could do. <laughs> why wouldn't I get somewhere rather? But th- again, that's not a judgment on spin because I loved spin. Like the year that I was going to spin like 5 days a week, I was like, I'm amazing. <laughs> Um, but then something good. happened where, and there are a lot of people who do both, but for some reason, once I moved over into one thing, I couldn't, I didn't ever want to go to spin anymore. And I think a part of it was like, oh, this is on my time. Like, oh, I can, again, it goes back to this sort of in, like only child. When do I have time to do things person who was like, oh, I can leave my home on my bike and, and that process begins immediately right. versus, oh, I have to get in my car and drive, drive and park and traffic. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'm starting to get sick of it too. Not, not, I can walk to the gym, but there's part, I've been probably spinning a few times a week for three years now mm-hmm. and I'm starting to phone it in when I'm in the class. I'm just like, they're like, all right, out of the saddle. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> 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 no, 
I'm just gonna slowly pedal. Yeah. But I feel like I'm getting older too. Like I don't, I don't know. My knees are my knees and my hips, and and so I got. Yeah. I think I got to switch hips it up. Thing is a, uh, listen, not to just make this an entire podcast about spinning, but the hips thing is uh, it's a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal yeah. for me. Um, with spinning and that's not the issue with cycling because when you're cycling particularly if you're cycling up hills you're not just spinning at a low rate like where your your hips are just grinding so right you know this is an all spin podcast right this is all spin all the time I I've don't never talked talk so about much anything else yeah my god I'm really thinking about it now yeah. <laughs> well I can recommend bike riding except that I've also been run off the road by a car and had a huge accident so. I was about to ask I, but I didn't yeah. want to jinx I didn't want to be like aren't you afraid yeah I didn't have a car for a while and I got a bike, but then my bike got stolen and oh, yeah. and then I was on the bus. Yeah. But you, I'm a little, yeah. Oh, that's a pain. Yeah. I was, it was, it was my, my, I got my car exploded and I couldn't afford a new one right away. So I got a bike and I was like, I have a great attitude. Like I'm going to have a good, a- <laughs> I'm going to have a good attitude about this. Yeah. And then after you. my bike, for but trying. then my bike got stolen and I was no, like, no. no. Yeah. That was the that was, was a very like, it's time short for me series of straws <laughs> that would break a camel's back on that one because LA's a tough city. Did not have a car in. It's time, to, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> what when you were in high school? Were you was it? Were you a good student in addition to being a good athlete? Because I also can't imagine you having like you said you were so busy. I just feel like you would have had practice like every day after school and stuff. I did, but I was a, I was a good student, and it was hard because I'm not naturally smart. So anything. I, I wasn't one of those kids who could just show up to class and get it. Like, I would have to go home and read it and reread it and take notes. So I was a good student, and I tried really hard. I don't know what it was. It was just complete fear of failure, and I had this huge fear of getting in trouble or mm. being, quote-unquote, bad. Mm-hmm. But I was very curious about the bad kids. Like, I wanted to be f- friends with a few of them and I was like the pot I don't know my favorite people were the potheads but also they were also really good at math I was like how do they do it yeah you know they were in calculus that's like the two opposite things from you kind of I had the like the smartest friends who were in AP calculus but also were smoking pot and and they were yeah and by the way I'm not saying like you were an idiot and they were so smart I just mean Math and pot don't necessarily equate with sports. Oh that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's what I'm saying there, but oh no, like as I'm like, listen, you were an idiot. What a I dummy. was a dumb jock who happened to oh, get good no. grades because I had to try really hard. I am. Re- I just feel like I'm a student. It's horrible, but I do feel with books, book work, and comprehension, mm-hmm. I'm slow. Mm-hmm. Emotionally, I think I, I I'm okay and can talk about it, but book stuff but I don't know in in high school I was very I was very and I was really fascinated with people who didn't care who got bad grades and were like I don't care yeah I was like how do you do that yeah and it's something it's so crazy the I mean there's so many factors that go into what makes up one single person obviously period but I'm I am so interested in that um that varying of like wavelength of the the kid who's 15 and is incredibly ambitious and has a really strong sense of stakes of like this matters because I want to do this 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 and this and then the sort of other end of the spectrum which feels like you know you can be coming from a place where you feel like everything's pointless for a depressive reason or it could be that you just don't 
have that same grasp of the future and you are kind of in some great Zen way, just living in the moment and feeling like, I don't know, that's a problem I will deal with when it, it's a problem. But right now, right. Oh, fuck it, I'm going to ditch school. Yeah. I'm really interested in people's, people's sort of arcs that way with that age, because I felt somewhere in between where like I, I, I was afraid to be a bad kid, but I was super being a bad kid. So I was really? like working overtime to also be a good kid, ah. which was like a really, it's complicated. It's a little bit confusing. <laughs> Um, but, but I could never just commit to one or the other, right? I would be like, I know my dad is my English teacher and he will find out that I am going to ditch class. Like, even though I'm a sophomore, he's a senior English teacher. My sophomore English teacher will tell my father, even if he's just like, I hope Jana feels better, but I just couldn't (laughs) not do it. And he's like, what? But then I would like feel bad, but you know what I'm saying? So it's just a weird, it's an interesting time to make those kinds of decisions. And I totally understand looking at a group or or even just one person who's like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Yeah. And just being like mesmerized. But maybe they do give a shit. But maybe they do. You You know, that's the thing. Yeah. Well, those kids were like, fuck the system. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Are you afraid? And maybe that maybe at home they maybe were ashamed or felt guilty or something. But but it is it. it I was very fat. And then I would hang out with them and go and go to their homes and like party together. And and they were super cool and nothing nothing too out of the ordinary. But they just approached school completely differently. Yeah. And I was like, all right. Yeah. What was your dating life like in high school? Oh my god. Like it is now, just <laughs> stupid, super stupid. Uh, has, that's one thing that hasn't right, changed. All right. I didn't really, I never had a serious, there was, I really liked one boy for a long time and we would date on and off, which has been my history through my 20s and 30s, really liking somebody and on and off, on and off. So it's it's still repeating itself. But I also didn't take it too seriously. Like all my friends who were 17 and they had been dating the same boy for four years i'm like you know our brains aren't even finished developing yet right and you're you're really gonna marry him yeah so (laughs) but see you had that awareness then of like now listen i know i may not know everything but i'm pretty sure you're very young like i I am yeah but a lot of my friends had boyfriends the same boyfriend for years and i was like what are you doing yeah i've talked about that on the podcast before the idea of the high school mini marriage is just is another fascinating thing to me right create that to create and i know i'm saying it like you do it for this reason but the idea of having that kind of consistency was at various times both very alluring to me and also like the most grotesque thing i could possibly imagine depending on whether i just had my heart broken or i'd broken someone else's heart or i was just feeling apathetic about relationships depending did you have a long-term no no i never had anything that lasted more than a few months yeah and i remember things lasting a few months and feeling like they'd been going on forever Ugh. like how do you keep it fresh after two months it's so stupid There's all you can only go skating so many times That's together. Really smart, but bad boys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Smart, full of potential, but budding alcoholics and potheads. Mm-hmm. But a lot of fun. Yeah. Always a lot of fun. And not necessarily mean to me. I, I've never, I wasn't into that. Like, I, I never was into the. the but just, you know, emotionally unavailable. <laughs>
Yeah, I was pretty, I feel like I, I joke around about being asexual, sort of just sort of not into, I don't know, just not being attracted to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But the guys that I, the one, the ones that I were just, and I feel like my high school, there wasn't a lot of options there wasn't a yeah i, I mean was there was say, like, like was it a small it was yeah it was out in the county and yeah we had a theater group and sports and stuff but there wasn't a huge variety so there were it the was, kids that you went to school with kids that you'd sort of known for a long time or in middle they, school mm-hmm. since middle since since i was yeah as a private grade. school and then you went into public school yeah I, w- I was in a private school through elementary and then sixth grade i switched over to public school and then we all you know ended up at the same high school together but um i don't know i just had i just was like i just want to have fun and learn and be like what am i gonna do with my life i really didn't take dating too seriously although i did you know i did feel a little bit heartbroken every once in a while but i've never been a girl who was like i'm gonna get married and have kids yeah you know and i i felt a little different in that sense i always felt because my girlfriends were really girl um, girly or boy crazy and i was sort of like uh, i'm not did you ever think you might be gay yeah oh yeah i still think i might be gay yeah <laughs> but I'm all not, good when i was drinking well, no when i got sober i was like ah oh, i can finally be like a hundred percent gay uh-huh. but then i'm like i'm more straight than i am gay because you know when i was drinking i just was bought almost right. mostly straight but still hooking up with girls but um, but in high school, I was definitely into. I, I don't think I had a crush on any girls. It was yeah. always boys. Yeah. But I felt very tomboyish, and um, gender was like has always been. Why does it have to be so extreme? Yeah. You know, I always felt like I was almost as much as a boy as I was a girl. So well, it's funny because that's a sort of cliche uh, joke that gets made about girl softball in high school, right? And, oh, and in some yeah. cases is accurate in the sense like for example my cousin julian is trans and as a girl at the time in high school like all of his gay friends whether they were out or not were all kind of hiding in softball it was like a place where it was okay to be a tomboy oh yeah yeah but i don't ever want to assume that about a softball team because then i'm just perpetuating some kind of stereotype that is often used sort of rudely Mm -hmm. but um but i but i am curious about that because i do feel like that's you know, the, the the ways in which we kind of navigate that. And I think we may be one of the generations, one of the last generations, I say hopefully, to feel that way. I think that things are more fluid now. And I, I wish there is a part of me that's like, God, I wish I could have really been a part of some of these communities of young people now who are like, why do you like gay or straight? And I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know. I'm yeah. not sure. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm down with whatever, you know, to right. feel, because it's hard to know for you if you're growing up in a, in a culture that didn't really discuss that. It's like, well, you might not even have your mind open having a crush on a girl at that time. It would be like, well, this is what I'm supposed to feel. I'm supposed to have a crush on a guy. And then it sort of develops naturally after that. Right. But it's like if we have these kind of parameters set up for ourselves, sometimes it's hard to push past those and really go what am I really feeling or, you know, right. I don't know. Well, I was thankful to be surrounded by those types of the girls on the team, like my teammates were incredible and it was a good mix. Like some, some of them were obviously gay and some of them were so boy crazy. Yeah. The, one of the best pitchers on our team was like the most boy crazy, but she could throw a mean fastball. And then, you know, of course, like the second baseman was just like, 
had a crush on the outfielder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was very good, but I never I never really thought too much about it and I was never <clears throat> well, like you said, if you're not, if that's something that you're not focusing on, then some people were, some people were oh, God. constantly thinking, about, like that you said, like boy crazy, girl crazy, goal. you know, identifying like how you identify who you are for some people that has everything to do with where their attraction and hormones kind of shoot over to. And for other people, it's not necessarily about that when they're a teenager. Right. And I'm wondering like how, how, you know, my parents influenced that. I didn't, cause I didn't really get a good example of a solid loving relationship. So I was like, ugh. Yeah. I'm not, it's, it's not something that I'm going to try to make happen because yeah. I'd much rather just be independent. I feel like I, subconsciously I was like, I have to be an independent girl. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that does not include crying over a boy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good for <laughs> so, you. I mean, yeah, but still I've cried yeah. over, but it's not like I'm like never cried over a boy. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Was your mom the kind of person that you could talk to about that stuff? Like, did you have any, did you have the relationship with any of your siblings where it was like that kind of stuff was getting discussed at home or was it like no. your, your friends or the no, it was your t- no, there wasn't a lot of like talking about our feelings or overanalyzing anything with anybody in my family. It was, Everyone was taken care of and gr- doing their own thing, and uh, I, I don't, I don't feel like now. Now, now it's different. Now I'm my sis, you know, my sisters are. I'm really close with them and my mom. But but during that time, it's I don't know if it was like small town Catholicism type of thinking. I I don't know. Mm-hmm. But not a lot of talking. What were you considered like a funny? Were you a funny, funny one? What is that? Class clown, I guess is the term I've said a million times and for some reason couldn't conjure. Like, how did this sort of comedy stuff come into play? I don't think I was funny. I still don't think, I still struggle with knowing if I'm funny or not. Um, I think I've always been obsessed with it. But I was, I was like, since I was an athlete, I never had time to do anything in theater group or perform. I never performed. So, um, but I was in student council and we used to get to to do shows for our assemblies and I would go bananas. (laughs) I would be like, I'm writing the sketch. So I wrote all the sketches and being like, I'm playing this. Uh, so that's when I was like, Oh, I love this. And then I, I was sort of wished that I was one of the theater kids, but I just, there was no time. Mm, there yeah, was no I know, time. I can't believe you were even in student council on top of everything else. Yeah, student body vice president. Nice. What were your I was going to be the president, but this boy begged me not to run because oh. it was a family tradition oh for God. him to be. I was like. Amazing. But I was like, you oh. can have it because that's all the work. Like the vice yeah. president. I was like Joe Biden just being like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, was say, I guess I again. The vice I have president is about the best. Before, but yeah, I don't have any kind of a real sense. By high, school. I was in my student council in junior high, but by high school, I just have no really no working sense of what it means to be in any way to like have responsibilities on the student council. Like, uh, yes, I am. Uh, you know, that just I don't have. Let's. What is prom going to be like? Everybody <laughs> responsibility here. Uh, yeah, I just can't. I can't. I don't know. I loved it. But anything I didn't under, like, I don't know, there were a bunch of committees that were boring to me. I was like, I'm not doing that. And But I was all about the assemblies and the prom theme and blah, blah, blah. What was your prom theme? I don't even remember. Disney, we did a couple Disney ones. Like, we just copied Disney movies. 
<laughs> so we were lazy. We're like, it's going to be purple and uh, I don't know, look like a princess if you can. Jasmine, Jasmine, <laughs> Jasmine, everybody. Um, and what? And so in terms of entertainment, because I know you, it doesn't, now I could be wrong. Based on what you were talking about, about the sort of education side of, of your feelings, I don't necessarily immediately associate you being like a bookworm who's sort of gobbling up literature of any kind. You know, I mean, but, but, but if I'm wrong, is that, you know, please correct me. Um, did you like, did you sort of drift into your imagination in other ways? Did you love watching movies? I was super busy. I was so, I was like, I don't even remember going to the, well, I went to the movies and stuff, but it wasn't like I was reading for fun, not in high school because I, I did not have time. Um, but was music important to you? Yeah. I mean, but I was, I didn't seek it out. I wasn't a music dork, like looking for the newest hip thing. I was sort of into whatever was fed to me on the radio. I was I was into whatever was fed to me on the radio. Yeah. Um but I'm trying to think I wasn't art it's it's I wasn't artsy and I don't know uh and I ended up going to I ended up get majoring in business even in college. I have a business degree. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah. Did you do write you did keep a journal or anything? Um I did not keep a journal. Maybe here and there. Yeah. But not not a lot. Wrote tons of notes to my friends. Mm-hmm. I was a big note. Have you guys saved any of those? I had I don't know where they are. Yeah. They're they might be in my mother's basement. I remember last seeing them when I was like twenty one. I yeah. had a huge bucket of notes. Mm-hmm. But I, I was a huge note writer, but I didn't I don't think I kept a journal until I moved to New York. Yeah. That's cool that you kept a journal when you moved to New York. Yeah. It, it, it helps for some people, they just stop at a certain age and then don't do it after, after that. I started later. Well, I felt so insane and it just helps me. So, and then once I started doing comedy, I was like, oh, writing, writing makes me feel better. And how did you get into it from your business degree? Well... I think I always secretly wanted to be a comedic actress, but I didn't tell anybody. Except for when you did your sketches and soon. Yes. Yeah. I would like let it shine then. <laughs> but I just, I don't know why I was so weird and secretive about certain things, but, um, and I thought it was so lofty. I was like, that's crazy. You've never taken an, an acting class. You, you have a business degree. You're a business lady. <laughs> You have to be very serious. I just thought it was so lofty and unattainable. But when I moved to New York, um, there were a lot of jobs like the Internet was booming. And so I got these decent marketing gigs where I was in an office and I was very like professional or trying to be. But at night, but I was sort of miserable. So I started to go to comedy shows Mm -hmm. and I was like, this is and I never wanted to do stand up. I wasn't like that would never cross my mind. But then I started going to these comedy shows and drinking a lot and partying and just became part of the comedy community. And then I eventually got on stage and then it took and then I would go home and write jokes and I and it was so fun to me. And so I sort of shift like finally started giving into it being like, okay, I'm going to take these day jobs a little bit less seriously and um, and really try to do comedy but I was really drunk. <laughs> it has its ups and its downs. It has its positives and its negatives for any comedian that I know who's kind of gone through a similar 
series of events like that. Yeah. Um, do, do you, are you still friends with any of your girlfriends from high school? Yeah, a couple of them. Because my question would be, is what you're doing now, was it a surprise to anyone? Or were people actually more like, you know what, this actually really fits for you. Like, I don't really see you as a person who has a business degree, who works in an office nine to five, who, you know, is just managing money or whatever. Um, I, no one said, no one really said one way or the other. They, they were just sort of like, oh, that's cool. Or you're crazy. <laughs> you know, I got that a lot. Uh-huh. I got I, everyone told me how crazy I was that I moved to New York and did a comedy. I was like, you're the crazy one. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no judgment, but I <laughs> oh, lots of judgment. Good. Lots of judgment. Uh-huh. No, I don't know. I just would get defensive, like being like, what do you mean? I'm cr-? like, I'm just trying trying out things yeah but no i think everybody was like oh that's cool tell us where your show is and then everyone was nice and supportive but i don't um i don't i don't i don't know if they had an opinion one way or the other do you have much contact with your dad dad your actual dad my biological father passed away when i was 27 Mm. so year years ago and um so no i don't talk to him anymore (laughs) Did you have did you have a relationship with him before he passed away? No, it was pretty bad up until the end. And I talk a lot about it in in my book because he ultimately sort of inspired me to not be that way. So, um so we didn't I would see him a couple times a year cuz I moved to New York and so I was only back in Colorado for the holidays and I would see him briefly and it wasn't pleasant. And he was just sick, you know, he was just like super, super sick. But I was sort of nuts, too. So instead of like having any empathy for him, I was just like pointing the finger. And now it's thank God, like I feel so much better. I don't think, you know, he had his own stuff going on. And I don't um, I just I just feel so much relief over everything. But during that time, up until his death and like even a few years after his death, it was not good um but yeah but ultimately it's like he probably taught me one of the biggest lessons ever yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i think that's it's amazing how many different directions you can spin off of a parent who has an issue like that or has has a disease like that or just any choices that our parents make. You know, mm-hmm. you were saying earlier that you had sort of looked at him as an example of what not to do on some level. And it's just so interesting to see. Sometimes we think that we're, le- we're taking ourselves away from that and when we're really running towards it. And sometimes, right. you know, an abusive person uh, says, I'll never do that. And then they do. And then some absolutely never do it. And, you know, it's just so hard to know how a a really profound influence like that is going to kind of make itself manifest in, in a, in a child or in a young person. And then later in an adult, it can just go so many different directions, so much of it circumstantial. And, but I think that's, I mean, that's the, the best possible outcome I think is, you know, what you've experienced, which is good or not in the moment, the fact that you've had this, you know, profound lesson as a gift given to you, by virtue of what you went through with your father, I think is that's, that's the best possible thing to walk away with. Right. Is to say, yeah, thank God I have an understanding of that. That's maybe on a deeper level than someone who didn't have my experience or, you know, for myself to get, to get well and all that. Yeah. And it was so bizarre because 
I wasn't that close to him, so it wasn't like he bothered me all the time. Like, after my parents got a divorce, I stopped seeing him a lot. So it wasn't like he was this constant burden on me. But the way that he went out, the way that he died, um, it was pretty bad. Like, it was – and it was tragic years before he ended up dying. And I didn't think it – bothered me at all because I wasn't I wasn't like going but towards the end of my drinking I would I was like talking about him and like crying about and I was like why am I thinking about him right now and then ultimately like my moment of clarity like he was the forefront of my mind being like I'm done drinking it was it was bananas because I went most of my adulthood not even like thinking about him and then I was like, I was obsessing about it. I don't know. It was bizarre. I think it's I think it's bizarre, but I think it's very understandable in the way that I mean that that makes total sense to me. Because again, yeah. that's that stuff that has it's down it's down so deep. Yeah. That, um and it becomes tiresome, right? Like we don't want I mean, there's also the question of like how much work do we do talking about what our parents did before it does become unuseful, you know? And right. so I think sometimes we don't when is the right time to go and now I'm done with that. Right. But you know, but also when do we dig in? And some people dig in a lot later in life and some people, you know, for whatever reason are kind of working through it when they're in their early 20s or whatever. And some people, maybe they don't have a lot of shit to work through, you know? Right. Everybody's parents are different. That's for goddamn sure. And those people. And those people. Guys, watch out. (laughs) Someone else is going to hit you. And then you really will not know how to deal with it. I speak partially from experience. Um, Well, listen, I got to get into this MASH game, which I'm very excited about. Uh, So um, let me customize some categories for you. Number one, uh, I'm going to have to say uh, that you if there's like three teams do you still enjoy like watching do you watch sports are you a spectator you really just enjoy playing i don't like either you don't like either (laughs) it all went away wait i'm I'm supposed to pick three sports here's what i'm gonna say three three sports that you heretofore didn't play or or weren't good at that you wake up tomorrow and you're like amazing at and it's just fun three sports could be as bizarre you know it could be parasailing could be boxing could be okay you know so i pick three yeah okay skydiving nice gymnastics mm-hmm. and um ping pong love it <laughs> oh my god maestro of ping pong would be very satisfying for me to see you do uh give me three vacation homes um uh, let's say realistic ones in the sense that they're um, in our world. Uh, but let's pretend like it's easy to get to any of them. So they could be as far flung as you want. Cause it's not like, Oh, but I'd have to like, sh- you know, schlep my stuff for 16 hours on a plane. Somehow we get you there faster than that. Three places where a I would have a vacation home. home. Mm-hmm. Um, Sapa, Vietnam. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Don't um, be sorry. By the way, again, this is like a real exercise in improv. So I am the worst at improv. <laughs> I had to do improv once and people would like bring up like a suggestion. And I was like, no, I don't want to no. talk about that. I was the perfect. <laughs> no, That's what um, you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to say. Gosh. Taylor Lake, Colorado. Okay, great. I don't know where that is, but I'm on board. 
and it's in the it's in the Rockies, in the middle of the Rockies. Right. Um, and let me say Laos, somewhere in Laos. Mm. Now, are these places that you have been that you would like to go back to, or yeah. places? That's wonderful. Yeah. What, what took you to those places? I've been to Southeast Asia a couple of times because I'm slightly obsessed with it. So I just every few years I try to get out of here and take a crazy trip. That's so great. Yeah. How do you do? You, why? When did you start becoming obsessed with it? Was there a specific thing? Well, I had the opportunity to go like five years ago, and I just went. And then this last time, I had two friends that were traveling Southeast Asia for a couple months and I said I can meet you for three weeks because they were my best like one of my best friends I was like when am I going to get this opportunity again so I went and we went to um, Thailand Laos and Burma well Myanmar which used to be Burma it's it's crazy and then I had went to Vietnam and Cambodia a few years before I love it so much I feel like I could go back a hundred times very inspired to go you gotta go Um, that's fantastic okay love it I think I can read Terrible writing. <laughs> okay, let's do uh, three uh, foods that you can have in perpetuity at the snap of your fingers with zero health ramifications. <gasps> could be as specific as like the color brown you have sometimes. Could be as vague as like cereal. Um. Uh. Oh I'm really lit up at this question, just oh like my I do. God. Uh. <laughs> Spaghetti. Great. <laughs> Cheesecake. Ooh. No health ramifications. Like, just zero. One. Yeah. Turkey burger with cheddar and avocado. Great. <laughs> great, 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 great. I was, I'm always curious about whether it's going to be like all sweet tooth or all salty or like all red meat or what is what it's going to look like. I'm very, I'm surprised I didn't go more salty, but these are great. Yeah, these are great. Um, I don't know why I don't like cheesecake that much. I just have never really warmed to it. I feel like I'm missing out. No, sometimes (laughs) you've just picked it. It's good. I, I know, but I, Sometimes it's it's got to be more creamy than mm-hmm. it is. Like the the creamier, softer it is, like, the better than the yeah yeah yeah. That sound I'm the texture, the texture. Oh, uh, amazing. Okay, let's do now. This is a traditional mash game, so I'm going to ask you for three uh, people. They could be characters from a book, or they could be like characters from a movie where you're like, I don't want Kate Blanchett in any other form other than like in this movie. Okay, got it. Like that. But these are sexy times and or sort of long-term romance. Uh, it's really up to you, but three. What? what? A romance? Like, a, like, like a, Yeah, like, you know, it's MASH. So it's like, what person are you going to marry? Oh, I see. I like to stretch it out beyond marriage and say like, listen, you want a one-night stand with one of these people? Great. You want this person to be an alternate universe husband? Great. Right. You know. Guys that I want to marry? Famous guys? Oh, like I said, it could literally be like Inspector Gadget. Who do I love? Um, sorry, I'm so slow. I have a, see. This is why I had to study hard in school. It's okay. This isn't a test. I, re- I promise. I promise. Um. Uh, let's see. Who? Bradley Cooper. I love him, and he's sober. Bradley Cooper in anything. He could be in any movie ever. Whatever. Right. All of his characters. See, got him. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, 
what's that movie Inside Lewin? Oh I- yeah, Inside, Inside Lewin, Lewin Davis. Him, Oscar Isaac. Yes, yeah. Oscar Isaac. He's great. Oh my god. Right. And Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. Hmm. I just realized I don't know how to spell his last name, but <laughs> no, one, no one needs to no. know that but me and everyone I just told. <laughs> uh, okay, next one is um, let's do three. Let's do three people um, living or dead that it can be like your buddy that you just love to hang out with. Ramona like the Brave. Anybody, hmm? Ramona the Brave. You know exactly where we're going with this. <laughs> Jodie Foster. Done. I'm right there with you. <laughs> and that that's just my buddy. Yeah. They hang out with Michelle yeah. Obama. Great. Oh, great. Okay, next one is uh I'm going super old school traditional mash. Three cars that you would drive. <laughs> Oh my god, the latest Subaru hatchback. Right. I'm such a lesbian. <laughs> that is like the most I lesbian. Love a nice Subaru hatchback. The a new, little taller off the ground. The new BMW hybrid. Ha- I don't know what it's called, but I see I'm seeing them everywhere. It's this hybrid electric car. It's Great. BMW. And um let's say uh this a road road trek. It's called a road trek. It's a it's like a, a small Winnebago, full functioning. Oh, fun! Van. Ooh, cross country. Yeah, love it. Um, okay, then uh, next category is three. Let's do three like businesses, like not businesses, but you. And listen, I recognize and I approve you having a business degree. But this is like in addition to your career. Now you have these kind of other side projects that maybe someone else runs, but you founded it or something. It could be a charity, but it could also be like a clothing boutique or it could be a school or it could be a pet daycare or, you know, a new okay. shop. A salad and smoothie restaurant. Right. Um, a... I've always wanted to have like a t-shirt business. I know it's boring, but I want it. This is your mash. By the way, there's a reason that t-shirt businesses still do so well. There's, I want one. I want a good one. Um, and maybe a, uh, like a home for girls to oh, teach them like how to be a badass. Badass <laughs> girls home? Badass yeah. girls home. Great. <laughs> Great, great, great. Um, okay, and then final category. Let's do like three people that you can switch places with for a day where you sort of get to see what their life is like, be them, have some sort of like a day in the life of experience. It could be as simple as like your mom. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, Michelle Obama. It can be something simple or it can be something historic. I would like to be this little boy, Tyler, for a day. He's okay. he uh, He has autism and I'm really good friends with his family and I want to know what's going mm-hmm, on inside his head. Mm-hmm. So Tyler. Great choice. That's great. Amy Schumer. Great. And who else would be, who else would I want to be for a day? Like a shark. Can I be an great. animal? Absolutely. Oh my God. <laughs> this is my new favorite answer of all time. Yeah. Be a shark for a day. A shark. Oh my God. It's like, I'm too afraid to be a shark for a day. So I just want you to report back and tell me exactly (laughs) what happened. Um, Okay. And then tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. I'm going to pause this. Okay. Do some calculations. Okay. 
and then I'm going to give you your 100% guaranteed mash future. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. It's looking really good. Okay. It's looking really good. I'm very, very satisfied with these results. These results, like it's a test. Like I took your pee. I'm nervous. You're not pregnant and you don't have any STDs. Okay. So number one, uh, uh, got a shack. Okay. In freezing Taylor Lake. I want you to think of it as a cabin. I insist okay. that you think of it as I'll a cabin. Try. However, <laughs> if you need to just zoom away from there, uh, in a, in a hurry, in a pinch, I want you to know that you have a beautiful BMW hybrid. Hey. It takes you wherever you need to be. So good, good work on that. Is it going to take you to your salad and smoothie shop? Yes, it is. <gasps> Where you probably will be meeting your best friend, Michelle Obama for a salad and smoothie. <gasps> Correct, madam. Correct. Uh, are you going to work off some of your salad and smoothie and take some of that energy you got from that stuff by doing some major gymnastics? <laughs> sure. Will those gymnastics serve you in the bedroom as you make sweet, sweet love uh, to Mr. Bradley Cooper? <gasps> yes, they will. Thank you, God. Yes, they will. Thank you, Will God. you make sweet, sweet gymnastic love so much that you can eat uh, pounds and pounds of spaghetti? Yes. Yes, you will. And by the way, you can have spaghetti whenever you want it. Yes with zero health ramifications whatsoever <laughs> and uh, the last thing that i want to say i'm just keeping it a little bit separate because i i loved your answer so much is that you also get to experience what it's like to be inside little tyler's brain for Aww. a day which i think is that's an amazing that would be an amazing thing to experience and be able to share with other people since oh, autism wow. is, is in many ways still a mystery to a lot of people to go in and then come out and be like look yeah. this is what's happening yeah, yeah. you could be the a, a, a wonderful bridge uh not that there aren't <laughs> other bridges being formed in that way but i just thought that was a great thoughtful answer um amber thank you so much will you please let everyone know about the book when they can get it um this i think is going to come out like right before it comes out because it comes is it coming out in june or is it coming out the end of may may 31st okay yeah so it'll probably this will probably come out this week so um okay what we'll, we can do it's too, available on amazon though it's now. already available on amazon fantastic and if you want what I've done with people releasing books in the past is I've done a little contest where, you know, within a certain period of time, if people want to write in with a personal experience or so anything you want, like a, a little kid joke or anything you want that that's like a quick and easy thing for someone to uh, reply into, then um, we can pick a winner and send out a free book. Yeah, as a promo. Absolutely. What, do, what would you like people to uh, submit to you as like a, a contest kind of thing? Um, maybe a story... That doesn't where they're not the hero. Oh, they, great! Where they they sort of made a mistake, great, and they learned a lesson, and they hope I that they're it. never that person again. I love it because certainly I feel like I've been there more times than not. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So, uh, guys, you heard it here. Uh, where are you on Twitter? Amber Tozer. Follow Amber Tozer. Get the book available on Amazon now. Name of the book: Sober Stick. Sober figure. Stick Figure. We said it before. We're saying it again, guys. And we'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Bye. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.